0: When I was in college around uh, 21 years old, I went on a missions trip for two weeks in the heart of Mexico to a little town called Rio Verde. It was truly a life changing experience for me. There were some older folks out there with us, some of them were even in their 30s. And while I have been a Christian for a few years at that point, these men and women displayed the joy of the Lord every day, even while doing the most mundane of tasks. They really exemplified for me what a Christian's life should look like. Come to find out, each of them had found Christ while in prison after being convicted of various crimes. After they got out, they worked for this ministry called Calvary Commission and served others in a really wonderful way. They all had great testimonies and were very influential at that time in my life. And as we prayed together each day, I noticed they were all about confessing their sins daily. Now at the time, I was still all about ensuring everybody knew that, hey, I'm good, you know, I'm, I'm not having any problems. But they very graciously Help me to see the value and need to confess my sins even though I was a believer. This was one of my first experiences with seeing the joy of the Lord very evident in the lives of believers, which I never forgot. If you are a Christian, but the joy of the Lord is not evident in your life, It is usually due to unconfessed sin. Today our sermon will be on Psalm 51. And as Pastor Leonard mentioned in last week's sermon, there are two things everyone thinks of when they think of King David. His battle with Goliath and when he committed adultery with Bathsheba. Today we're looking at Psalm 51 as a template for seeking and receiving forgiveness from God. Psalm 51 was written by David right after he was confronted by Nathan in 2 Samuel 12 regarding his sin with Bathsheba. This psalm has been a reference for believers for repentance since it was written, hence the title for the sermon today, A Checklist for Repentance. But I want to make an important distinction here. This is not a normal checklist where the effort is on us, and we do all the work, and everything turns out okay. Because we don't do the work of repentance. We seek it, and God's wonderful grace comes into play and provides the forgiveness due to the price Jesus paid and restores the wonderful relationship that we have with him. This is what I want you to focus on today for the sin that you, as a believer, are struggling with right now. Are you a Christian? Are you joyful? Are you weighed down by the sin in your life? Perhaps you know you are truly a Christian, but are still feeling weighed down by sin in your life. We want to look more closely at this psalm to better ascertain the grace of God and know how it works in our life as believers. You and I are sinners. We may be saved, and I say that because everyone who hears this sermon today may not be. For those who are saved, you continue to sin. This presents us with a struggle. Indeed, one we will continue to struggle with for the rest of our time here on earth. So what are we to do with the knowledge that we are indeed saved, but the fact that we continue to sin. Is there something wrong with us? You may wonder if it's only you. No, we all have the same struggle. Sanctification is defined in the dictionary as the action or process of being freed from sin or purified. The struggle is real. And this morning, let's look at Psalm 51, and I hope that you'll be encouraged and equipped as you deal more effectively with the sin in your life. One of the keys in living in the joy of the Lord is to make a regular habit of confessing our sins. If you've come to this church for any length of time, you know that we, we make time for this each week because it's so important. When we don't do this as individuals, we can slowly slide into even greater sins and soon find ourselves in a place we thought we would never be. Let me say that again. When we don't do this, we can slowly slide into even greater sins and soon find ourselves in a place we thought we would never be. With regard to sin, we try to hide it. Deny it, excuse it, and ignore it. But we need to confess it, repent and turn from it, seek and find forgiveness for it, and continue on the path before us. We need to be restored. As I prepared today, I found the following checklist from a pastor in Alabama whose name is Lloyd Stilley that I thought was well done. And and expound upon. It's broken up into sections so that you can dive more deeply into and reflect upon so that we can apply it to our lives today. The checklist is number one, take responsibility for your sin. Number two, come clean. Number three, ask for and receive God's forgiveness. Number four, request a fresh work of God's grace. Number five, resolve to use past failures for future ministry. And it's got the verses in the psalm there for reference as well. So if you're able, let's stand as we read God's word today, Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. And my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You would not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Do good to Zion in your good pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem, and then will you delight in right sacrifices and burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. May God bless the reading of this word. You may be seated. Now again, it's important to remember that we're still following the continuity of 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 the story in 2 Samuel with David. In this psalm, Psalm 51, was written right after Nathan confronted David. So to our first point, take responsibility for your sin. David recognized his sin, but it sure took him a while, didn't it? Remember in 2 Samuel, he went on for a year and he didn't really seem too concerned about it. I mean, he was pretty busy being the king, you know, doing king stuff. Then he stopped doing king stuff, and he started doing David stuff, which is how he got into trouble. Nathan comes in and tells him a story, which we heard last week, about a rich man and a poor man. The rich man was very wealthy with large herds of animals, but the poor man had only one little sheep that he loved very much and treated like a daughter. And when a traveler came to see the rich man, the rich man was unwilling to sacrifice any of his animals and he took the poor man's lamb away to feed the traveler. Now when David hears this from Nathan, he is all about bringing harsh judgment on the rich man in the story. And then Nathan says, you are the man. Nathan goes on to show David all God had done for him and how David had acted with regards to Bathsheba and Uriah. Suddenly, David recognizes his sin. And his first words to Nathan are, I have sinned against the Lord. David took responsibility for his sin. He admits it. His first words in Psalm 51 are, Have mercy on me, O God. He does not base this request on anything except God's mercy. He does not list out the good things that he has done for comparison. He does not make excuses. He does not compare himself to others. David took responsibility for his sin, as you and I must do. Notice in verses 1 through 5, David admits his sin. My transgressions, my sin, my iniquity. Here are some good definitions to help you better see that I found in preparing for today. In transgressing, uh, transgressing, he knowingly steps over the law. In sin, he misses the mark of righteousness. In iniquity, he twists what God has made straight. He calls these acts what they are, evil, he admits he's always been a sinner. He was born with it. How do we recognize sin in our lives today? Another way to ask this is, why don't we recognize the sin in our lives? I believe it, be, it begins by being in fellowship with God and one another. Do we seek God in prayer? Are we in the word? daily? Fundamentally, is there a light of truth in our life to compare ourselves to? Are we in fellowship with other believers who love us? Are we accountable to other believers in our lives? Do we understand the importance of confession to our sanctification? Because sanctification is often not fun, is it? Spouses are really good accountability partners. Are you doing that with your spouse if you're married? Conversely, if we aren't attending church, participating in reading and studying His Word, and being accountable to our spouse, small group, or other believers in our lives, it may be because we don't want to acknowledge our sin. Recognize your sin. Take responsibility for your sin because the words, Of Nathan apply to us as well. You are the man. Number two, come clean. David saw that he had sinned against God. Although he had sinned against others, Bathsheba and Uriah among them, he saw that he had sinned against God's law. This is true for you and I as well. At times, we try to excuse our sin by saying things like, well, everybody, everybody does it. And we've all seen things that at one time were considered abhorrent by society now being acceptable. But something that may be acceptable in society and against God's law will not be judged by society, but by God himself at judgment. It wasn't okay with God, even if at David's society at the time, nobody saw anything wrong with what he as king had done because he was a king. And yet Nathan came directly to David to share God's position on the matter. So watch out when you try to fit into societal norms that are against his word. Knowing he had sinned against God, David went directly to him to seek forgiveness. This is where you and I need to go as well. Don't ignore it. Don't wallow in the thought of it and beat yourself up either. When we confess our sins to God and know we have received forgiveness, it makes seeking forgiveness from others so much more effective. And sometimes we need to confess our sins to others that we've sinned against. But go to the Lord first. David here in the first five verses is sickened by his sin and seeks to be washed and cleansed from it. He doesn't show any desire to just ask for forgiveness and then return to it, does he? What sin are you struggling with right now? Do you see the pain that it is causing? We need to see the sin in our lives in the same way and hate it just as much. What sin are you thinking of right now? Do you hate it as much as God does? In verse 3, David says his sin is ever before him. In verse 4, he says, Against you only have I sinned. Another scripture that may assist us in coming clean is 1 John Chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. Let me read it for you. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Our second point again, come clean. Number three, ask for and receive forgiveness. David does not merely resolve to be better. He asks God to purge him with hyssop and to wash him because David cannot do it on his own. If we think of repentance as only turning from sin, We won't ever do it. Repentance is not self-discipline. We need a greater love to drive out the love that we have for our sin. Forgiveness is there for the asking. What are you hiding? What are you holding on to? It is not only the forgiveness of his sin David is asking for, but for a clean heart and a right spirit. When we repent, it means turning from the sin that has enslaved us, to ask for God's help and not rely on our own strength. David couldn't do it on his own strength, and neither can we. Again, we need a greater love to drive out the love we have for our sin. And there is no greater love than God's love. Scripture's full of illustrations about a father and his children, and we are his children. And those are there for us to hang on to. My family has a dog named Charlie. Now, Charlie keeps a close eye on things around our house. And when he sees something suspicious, Charlie barks. He's a little wiener dog, so you know, little little yapper. Now, we tell him not to bark, and we try to shush him up. But despite our efforts, Charlie keeps barking. We have a training collar and stuff, but it doesn't matter. He still barks. He barks because he's a dog, and he can't help it. It's in his DNA. Dogs bark. And like Charlie, we have sin in our DNA, and we sin. But sanctification is a process where we continue to change from the old man to the new. We are being transformed, and by what? Our own efforts? Our self-discipline? No. Only God's grace can bring about that change in us and we must continuously repent and seek forgiveness on our journey. Is it easy? No. Is it painless? No. Is it good? Yes. Number four. Request a fresh work of God's grace. Let's look at verses Uh, 10 through 12 again. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with a willing heart. Remember the joy of your salvation. Remember how you felt when you first realized that you had been forgiven and you were his child? I became a Christian right after high school as an enlisted man in the Navy and remember well the struggle. Now, I was a pretty good kid by society standards, and a lot of my friends thought I was already a Christian, but I knew in my heart that I was not. I struggled because I had a plan for my life. And I don't want anybody to mess with it, especially God. But I knew I had to put him on the throne and, and to follow him. And once I did that, I finally knew what forgiveness was. I finally understood what joy was. And I wanted to tell everybody about it. And God has far exceeded the plans that I had for my life in countless ways. You see, He created me. Following Him has truly been a fulfilling experience. He knows me better than anyone. And more importantly, He knows what I need. Not just what I want, but what I need. And, friends, we can all experience that same joy that we had as a new Christian as we walk with Christ today. But holding on to our sin and refusing to repent will take that joy away. Remember, we need to follow David's example here and ask for a renewal of his spirit within us. Let us use these same words as we seek repentance a new heart and a new spirit if these have been missing from our lives due to our sin. And finally, our last point, resolve to use past failures for future ministry. David knew that once he was restored, he would be able to share his experience and learning with others to turn them back to God. In like manner, we can use our past failures to encourage those around us in their struggles And we need to do that. We need to be encouraged and not discouraged. I know I often share my failures with my kids, especially Aaron, to encourage them not to do some of the things that I've done in the past and the consequences that I paid. But we can only do that from a place of having repented and and receiving forgiveness. Just think how frustrating things would be if we confessed our sins to someone else and we never heard the words, yeah, been there, done that. We are encouraged when we see others who we respect tell us that they have had the same struggles. It gives us hope, doesn't it? So when we have been forgiven and received a new heart, God can continue to use us in the lives of others for his glory. There's a book that the ladies in the church are studying now called Extravagant Grace by Barbara Duguid. And she encourages the reader to not get all down about our sin because forgiveness is waiting for us. Just like Charlie barks because he's a dog, we sin because we are humans and we have that sin nature in us. Don't go through life focused On the outside of the cup. But follow David's example and follow the checklist for forgiveness that we've looked at today. Forgiveness is waiting for you. And you can walk in the joy of the Lord that may be absent in your life right now when you seek forgiveness. I had a roommate at the basic school named Kent. We had the same last name, which is why we were roommates. Now Kent was a good Marine Corps officer, but this guy was a tremendous evangelist as well. Now I was pretty busy at the time just trying to, you know, stay on the straight path and keep true to my faith and keep up with my peers back then. But Kent just had this way about him that really opened up. I mean, he was the guy who would just kind of look you in the eye and say, hey, if you died right now, do you know where you'd go? And he could get away with it. And, and people would, you know, really open up to him. And I wasn't like that at all. But Kent was really used in a powerful way when we were at TBS, and he led a lot of lieutenants to the Lord. His first station was uh, Marine Corps Air Station Buford, And uh, get this, Kent led the commanding officer of the base, a full colonel, to the Lord when he was a lieutenant. What a story. I lost touch with Kent about 20 years ago. You know, he got out of the Marine Corps and I kind of lost touch. Um, But about 20 years later, his wife connected with me on Facebook. Now, her and Kent were married during this time, and I was single, and so... They fed me a lot, you know. (laughs) And I knew them pretty well. And Robin and I went to our first Marine Corps ball with Kent and his wife when we were at TBS. She told me that Kent and her had gotten a divorce and that Kent was living on the streets of Miami as an alcoholic. A few months later... She told me that Kent had died of health reasons resulting from his alcoholism. Now I called her later because I couldn't get my hands around this. How how did this happen? She told me that Kent had refused to be accountable to anyone in his life, including her. When he started to struggle He he tried to hide it rather than address it with his brothers and sisters in the Lord. He refused to acknowledge he had a problem because he was so focused on ensuring everyone thought he was a mighty man of God. He was too focused on the outside of the cup. He turned to painkillers and then alcohol. He lost his family and Kent died on the streets of Miami. If this happened to Kent, don't think it can't happen to me or to you. Go home and read Psalm 51. Whatever your sin is right now, follow the checklist. The good news is this. Christ already paid for your sin past, present, and future. Get real. Own up to it. Seek forgiveness. Be restored. Seek a fresh work of God's grace and allow God to use even the dumbest things that you have done for his glory. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for Psalm 51, for the example that it presents for us. We thank you for David's humility. His stature in the world was so tremendous at the time, much greater than any of us will most likely achieve. And yet he humbled himself and he confessed his sin to you, Father. Help us to resolve, to confess the sin in our life on a regular basis. To continue to be used by you and to experience the joy of being your children here on this earth while we're here. We pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen.